Father, we worship you. We thank you for our worship team setting an environment for us to connect with you and experience you. We want to know you in our minds, but we also want to feel you connected to us, feel you close, Lord, and we feel your presence today. Even today's sermon is going to be connected to your presence, Lord. So let us feel you afresh. Let us know you that we might be able to make you known to others. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And a little bit, a little bit. I, um, I'm grateful for our amazing worship team, and they just do so much to bless us, serve us, and care for us. I remember the, the first time I felt like I was set up for failure, set up to get to, to struggle a little bit. I lived in uh, East Cleveland, Ohio. Coming up, I was about nine years old, and I was riding my bike in our apartment complex, Jumbo Apartment Complex. And if you know me, even today, you know there's not too many people that I meet that I don't feel like I can have a conversation with. Wife used to be like, dang, like, can we just go to the grocery store and you not talk to the lady at the checkout, you know what I'm saying, and the dude stocking the canned peas and the dude with the vegetables, you know, like, like yeah, I just talked to everybody. And so at nine years old, I still was doing that. I'm on my bike. I see some homies and the homies are riding their bikes. I'm like, what's up? Let's kick it. We start riding our bikes together. I challenge them to a wheelie contest. Don't you think you can do something with me? You don't know me. I can, I can wheelie with the best of them. I toss the bike up, start wheeling. And then somehow I get yanked off the bike. I look up and the two dudes that I thought that were trying to become my friends had grabbed the seat, yanked it from me so that when I fell off, they jumped on my bike. They took my bike and as I ran to give chase, both of them squared up with me as if they was about to jump me. And I knew at the age of nine, you're not going to be the dude in high school. So they took my bike, and they left the bike that they were on. So I'm like, well, at least I got their bike. I'm good. Go to mom and dad and talk to them, and they say, all right, we got to go to the police office. We got to go to the, to the local police department because uh, this wrong has happened. So we go to the police department. The police department write it down. They take all the information, and they say, oh, and by the way, thank you for bringing that bike. We don't know, but that bike could be stolen too, so you got you to gotta leave it. And it was one of the first times where I felt the effects of sin. I felt the effects of sin clearly because there was a physical damage that happened. My bike was gone, and I couldn't keep the bike that was left. And then there was an emotional damage. Man, how could somebody wrong me like this? How could someone straight betray me? How could someone seemingly seem like we was about to do life together and then straight betray me? Emotionally, physically, I was saying, man, who's going who's gonna to pay for this? Who's going to pay for this wrong, this sin that has happened? And sometimes, unfortunately, we keep like playing that that, that CD, that tape, that album, that eight track, that it keeps getting played over and over again. Who's going to pay for this? Who's going to pay for this? Somebody got to pay. I'm watching the headlines for Brother Tyree Nichols and his mourning family. 
And the first thing you wonder when an injustice like that happens is who's going to pay? Sadly, in this society, as a, as a black man, I assume the police will get off. I was surprised this time to see that there was accountability that happened quickly. But just a week before, I was mourning the loss of Asian lives in California, where I called my brother, and it was up to 25 at that time. I think there may be more folks who lost their lives, and I'm saying, Lord, my heart breaks for those families. But who's going to pay? Justice has to be served. Who's going to answer for this? That question is how we walk into our chapter in Hebrews today. We've been in the book of Hebrews learning the different facets of Jesus, trying to understand the perspective of who Christ is, and he wears many beautiful hats. Lord, Savior, Redeemer, all these different titles. And today we will see another beautiful aspect of Jesus Christ as we wrestle with this question of who is going to pay. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9? We're going to start at verse 15. That There's a pew Bible by you. The scriptures will be up here um, on the screen. If you're new with us, somebody in a moment is going to shout out that page number so that it's easy for you to flip with us. 1192, Hebrews chapter 9, starting at verse 15. When you get there, let me hear you say amen. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For we, for where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet, wool and hyssop, and sprinkled them both, the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin pastor where do we start so you can so i can understand this we got to start back in the beginning in the beginning adam and eve were in the garden and they were worshiping the lord everything they did was worship and then the serpent came in tried to trick them tried to fool them and was successful and unfortunately what entered in when they chose to sin sin is when we choose not to do what god desires it's not just the most heinous of things it's also the little soft things that we do when we know we're not doing what god wants us to do sin creeps in. And when sin creeps in, there's a consequence for sin. There's always a consequence for sin. And unfortunately, the consequence for sin this time 
was that Adam and Eve would have a number of ailments, a number of issues that they had to wrestle with, which was who was going to be in leadership, pains from birth. But one of them was that they had to leave the presence of God. The presence of God. I can't know what the presence of God is, but I liken it to a couple of things. My kids and I went to this big, cool expression that they had downtown uh, about five years ago. It was uh, a le- like levels raised like this. And as far, not as far as we can see, but probably as big as like three of these rooms was a soft ball pit. And me and the kids took off off of this bad boy and just jumped into the ball pit, y'all. I'm sorry. I was like a three-year-old at Chuck E. Cheese. It was on. The kids couldn't find me. I'm swimming through the little balls, y'all. It was like heaven because no matter where I landed, I was just in a soft thing like kids having a ball. It It was amazing. It was amazing. I liken that to, to, to the heavenly places because in that moment, the kids and I had no worries. We had got some McDonald's beforehand, so we was full. We diving, playing, doing backflips in the thing. You, don't have, you got kids from all nationalities, all races there, and nobody's arguing. Why? Because we all swimming in the balls. You know what I'm saying? We just enjoying what is surrounding us. That's an idea of what it's like to be in God's presence. Like, like, like you have no worry, no longing, no hurting, no pain, nothing but delight. And God says, because you chose to sin, you've got to leave that. You've, you've got to leave that presence. You've got to leave an unending, everlasting joy that surrounds and overwhelms you. And now you have to experience me from afar. But God loves his people loves his people, loves you and loves me. And so he doesn't just leave with kicking them out of the garden because their sin deserved to be kicked out with steel toe boots. He says, and so what I want to do is see you cared for. Because when sin takes place, somebody's got to pay for it. Somebody's got to pay for it. And God says, I am a holy God that loves you so much, and I want you to experience me, but I can't experience you with that sin on you, so I got to set up a system so that sin can be paid for. And that's why God instituted the sacrificial system. He instituted a way that his, 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 his judging of sin, his response to sin when you and I, when the people of God do wrong, his response to that could have been death. It could have been pain. It could have been hurt. But he says, I'm going to give you an out. I'm going to give you a way that my response can be calmed for now, pacified for now. I'm going to give you something called a sacrifice. Sacrifice where, where now instead of you getting the payment you deserve, I'm going to allow you to take this animal and the animal will take the pain that you should have deserved. 
And what's key is that in order for the animal to be able to take that pain, to be able to pay that cost, it's got to die. And so what happens is the blood of the animal is what allows for God's response to sin to be calmed. Calmed. And there are three effects from God's loving system of the blood being shed. The first effect is we receive forgiveness and we gain victory. 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 I'm in the lane of kids today because uh, we have a bunch of them with us. And uh, there was once when Pastor K was preaching and I had to watch the kids. I almost heard him say his name and I hear nothing else. So I'm trying to keep them a little engaged today as well. Children, for you all that are present, if you know of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, raise your hand. All right. All right. All right. Now, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, what's your favorite one? The orange, Donatello, Michelangelo, Raphael, which one I forget? Leonardo, let's kick it, okay. So, so at, in that game, and we sometimes go to Chuck E. Cheese, I know it's old, y'all don't even know what Chuck E. Cheese is, but if we go to Chuck E. Cheese, we'll play the game, and, and in that game, at the end of every level, there's a boss, and we would beat that boss, get to the next level, beat a new boss, get to the next level, But what you see through the theme of the game is that the real villain, which is the shredder, is just controlling all of the little bosses. The the, the shredder is the one who actually is orchestrating how all these bosses are going to fight against the heroes. And that's similar to the spiritual battle that we walk in. You see, Satan is the one that's behind all evil schemes, all things that seek to see you fail and see you die, see you lose a life. But praise the Lord that Jesus, when he died and when he allowed his blood to be shed, he gave us victory over the evil one and all of his schemes. So none of those plans are victorious over you. So when you consider why the Hebrew writer takes all these words to talk about blood, he's trying to get in your mind. Hold up, hold up. You're a victorious person. I died so you could live in victory. Satan has no type of dominion over your life. You now walk with your head up. You now walk confident. You now know, yes, I may not be perfect, but I know Satan doesn't have a hold on me. I know I am victorious in that area. Continue with me. Verse 23. Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it offered himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not of his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, 
He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for men to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Eagerly waiting for him. So if victory is one aspect of what you gain because of Jesus' death and Jesus' blood, the second is that the penalty that you should have, that you should have received, Jesus says, I'm going to take that for you. He says, I want to stand in your place. He says, yeah, you may deserve it, but this isn't about what you deserve. It's about the extent of my sacrifice. And so the pain that you should have received, I want to stand in your place. And I want to take on the weight of that sin. Allow my blood, my blood to lift the burden of sin from you and let me carry that. Why do we need to hear this? We need to hear this because as believers, it is very, very difficult for us to forgive ourselves. It is very difficult for us to forgive ourselves. And actually, one of the smoothest tools of the enemy is to remind you of your wrongs. It's to remind you of the errors of your ways. How many times in a day do you remember some of the most positive things you've done in your life? How many times in a day might you remember a mistake you made? You see, that's, that's Satan's role. His role is to constantly accuse you, to remind you of how you come up short, to constantly help you, help you see the ways in which you fall, in which you fail. But Jesus says, no, no, no. My blood has made you victorious, and I took that pain for you. So even at your lowest point, even at your struggling moment, I still got you. So would you let me extend forgiveness to you? Would you forgive yourself? Would you experience the forgiveness I'm trying to provide? And, and guess what? We don't have to be, be one where, where, where every day you got to bring forth a new sacrifice in order to be forgiven. Like Jesus' death allows us to be forgiven once and for all. For all, Pastor? For all, you know I stole some money. For all, you know I've been in jail. For all, you know I punched somebody in the face. For all, you know I lied to my mama. For all, for what? Okay, now start telling me some of the things y'all did. Okay, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> See, we can understand for all for others. But when you're at home and you're in the midst of this mind, Satan can make you feel so guilty, can he? Can make you feel so bad, can make you see yourself through the lens of wrong and through the lens of shortcomings instead of through the lens of redeemed. Through the lens of forgiven, through the lens of being loved. It's actually where the next portion of scripture takes us. I was uh, reading through history 
history is a tough thing as a, as a person of color because history is like, like you get this, this beautiful, complex component. I think history is tough for everybody. But definitely as a, as a person of color, it's tough because, because there's this, this beautiful aspect and there's this shortcoming side of, of, of history where you get to see like God use people in a mighty way, but also get to see the, the elements of their sin. And uh, uh, my family, we had a chance to, to do some traveling overseas. And I'm going to say, like, there's beautiful places around this world, but there's no other nation I would rather live in than America. We have components and systems that are a part of, of, of our nation that, that just other places don't have. That don't mean we perfect. That definitely don't mean we perfect. <laughs> but, there, but there's some some support in ways and some freedoms that we get a chance to, to experience. Some freedoms that our founding fathers said, this is the way that we should move forward as a nation. I was listening to some of the, uh, some of the experiences of the men who were uh, men of stature, men of influence, and men of wealth and listened to how their lives ended as a result of taking a stance for our nation. Hear these words from an article called, uh, from a magazine called Resource. It says, the 56 men that signed the Declaration of Independence hear a little bit about their lives. Their conviction resulted in untold sufferings for themselves and their families. Of the 56 men, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons to the Revolutionary War. Another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds of hardship from the war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships sunk and burned by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts, and he died in poverty. At the Battle of Yorktown, the British uh, General uh, Cornwallis had taken over Thomas Nelson's home for, uh, as his headquarters. Nelson quietly ordered General George Washington to open fire on his own home. The home was destroyed and Nelson died bankrupt. John Hart was driven from his wife's uh, side as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His fields and mills were destroyed. And for over a year, he lived in the forests and caves, only returning to find that his wife had passed and his children could not be found. Family, do you hear the result of sacrifice? Like the, the sacrifice they made, the actual blood that was poured out started America on a journey of freedom. Freedom that as a black man, we wouldn't fully experience until 87 years later when you have the Declaration of I mean, Emancipation Proclamation, 13th Amendment, those things. But we would not be in a state where you and I can talk like this, where we can have issues with our government, where we can speak freely if these folks hadn't said, this is worth sacrificing. This is worth losing some stuff. You see, Jesus looks at you and I and says, for the sake of their freedom, I am willing to give my life. I am willing to allow my blood to be shed so that they would experience freedom from sin. 
freedom from the oppression and the weight of guilt and shame. We get to walk in victory because of Jesus's blood. He restates some things in a in a few verses. So scroll down with me to to verse nine. Then he added. Behold, I've come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all for all time, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit, who also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering of sin, any offering for sin, excuse me. Christ's sacrifice, if it, if it gives us victory, if it allows us to be free and to experience an, an atonement, a, a substitution for the pain we should have received, lastly, Christ's sacrifice moves us towards love. The shedding of his blood is the beautiful sign of God saying, you know what? I can't be in the presence of sin. So what I have to do is have y'all leave Eden. And I don't want to be in the presence of sin even in this world. But I love you so much that I'm not going to leave your presence. So in order to remain in your presence, I need a sacrifice. It's a beautiful image of God saying, I love you enough to make adjustments just so I can be with you. Now, would you love me enough? Would you experience the blood that I'm trying to show you so that you may be able to experience the full love that I have to offer? That's why we always say that famous Bible verse, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, it is through the blood that we are saved. It is through what, what he sacrificed on our behalf that we are able to be saved. It is a great act of love that Jesus does. And he says, I want you to experience it fully. I want you to know this love. See, it's very tough for us as believers to walk if we don't understand the extent of the blood, that it gives us victory, that it gives us a heart of gratitude because he stood in our place and it shows us a great expression of his love, love, love for us. I know you've not had to talk about blood often. 
if I can be honest, every time I said that word, it's like, mm, because how often do we speak of, of blood in our natural connotation? But if I say a term like forgiveness, I pray you've seen that. If I say a term like victory, after some of the oppression and struggles that many of us, of us have had, I pray you would get that. If I say the term like, like substitute, and people use the image all the time of, of if you were guilty in a courtroom and Jesus walked in and said, Judge, your honor, I'll take it instead. I know she's guilty. The 20 years she's supposed to get, allow her to go free. I'll take them in your place. Like that's, that is the concept of love that we get a chance to see on full display. The reason why it didn't work in the Old Testament is because your name ain't Billy. What you talking about, Pastor? See, Billy Goat is not equal to a human. A bull, a goat, a calf does not equal you. And so while it calmed God's wrath, it was not an equal substitute for you. The only equal substitute for a human is a human. And so that's why Jesus came to die, because nothing else would sufficiently cover our sin and allow us to be free once and for all. He said, I got you. I got you. Human for a human. And then what was even more jacked up was that it couldn't just be a human because if Andrew or if Michael or if Tasha tries to come in my place, guess what? They got issues. Well, pastor, can you go for me? Sure, I can go for you. But I got issues. I'm not a, I'm not a good enough substitute for you. I ain't a good enough substitute for me. And so Jesus looks at our situation and says, wait, wait, wait. Not only do they see, need something equal to them, a human for a human, they need a perfect human. They need one without blemish, one without issues, so that the father will be appeased, so that his wrath will be calmed. So that, And when I say wrath, don't feel like undo. We think of wrath in a human term like somebody just went out there swinging on people. Like God's wrath isn't like that. God's wrath is the just response to a sinful heart. It's not, it's not going to attack the innocent. It's giving the guilty what they deserve. And God looks and says, I got a response that will calm my wrath. Even though you deserve it, I will send my son. Why? Because I love you. All because I love you. Folks, family, as we talk about being reconciled to reconciled, that's a story we can share. That's something we can tell our neighbors. That's a, a, a beautiful truth that we can let the world know. You've been reconciled to a God who loves you, who died for you, whose blood was shed so that you could be free. Now walk in that victory. Live victoriously, not bound by sin, but freed from the burden and weight of it. Family, I'm grateful 
I do know that on this side of heaven, it is difficult sometimes to see who's going to pay. It's difficult to see who's going to pay for the wrong that happens in our world. And, and honestly, it's not a good payment when we look at the Tyree Nichols situation, right? I mean, there's five black officers who will have to answer for their crime. If it was white officers, if it was Asian officers, it wouldn't matter because that would be people who are leaving their families. Wives that will no longer come home to their husbands, children that will no longer see their fathers. Yes, we want justice, but even on this side of heaven, justice doesn't bring forth shalom and harmony in the way that we want. And so the reason why Pastor Kevin is leading us in lament is because we long for a restoration that's beyond what we can understand. We long for a true peace. We long for a justice that helps to heal the heart. And I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking about those guys, man. I couldn't watch the whole video because it took me back to Rodney King, it took me back to George Floyd, it took me back to so many names. I couldn't watch the whole video. But then I just thought as I saw their five faces listed for having been arrested, like, man, grandma's got to look at that video. Aunties and uncles who have the barbecues got to look at that video. For one stupid act, they now got to see their baby boy that was raised in jail. And mom, who now lost her son, is planning a funeral. Lord, help us. Help bring forth the healing that we need. And, And this is why I don't help bring forth the healing that we need. Lord, even now. Would you, Lord, allow us to receive the power of your blood, but we pray that your blood would save folks. I pray for police officers, specifically police officers that know you, Lord. Let them be a light that they would lead a different culture in their police off, police units, the police departments, Lord. Would they not stand for injustice? Would they be a voice against any type of criminal activity? And then would you draw cops that don't know you to yourself? The only way I see true healing happening in the way we police is through you, God. No financial incentives, no consequences. Lord, you, you grabbing the hearts of women and men. That authority would be used to worship you. Father, we pray for their families, but also we pray for our ability to walk in the victory that you provide through the shedding of your blood. Such a beautiful expression of your love. Let us receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Family, as you get uh, communion prepared, uh, right by your knees are communion cups. Uh, We take communion to remind us of the extent of the blood. We take communion to remind us of the power of the blood. We take communion so that we can connect and delight in Jesus. And he says, I want you not to forget it. 
I want you not to forget what I've done. So you do this as often as you can to remember me. So we take communion weekly here because we want to meet and engage with Christ every week. Be reminded of the power of that blood. Amen? Amen. If, uh, if it's your first time with us, or if you're hearing about this God who loves you deeply for the first time, then we want to open up the opportunity for you to accept Jesus into your heart. What does that mean? It means that you believe that you have sinned, that you've wronged God, and that God loves you. He loves you so much that he gave Jesus Christ to see you reconciled, to see you connect, to see you experience him once again. He says, I love you that much that my son would die so me and you could be together. If you believe that and if you want that, simply pray this prayer with me or after me. Lord, I believe in you. I know I've sinned, and yet I know you love me. Come into my life. Take control. Help me submit to your ways and allow me to listen to the Holy Spirit that lives in me. You love me. Help me experience the fullness of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've just prayed that prayer, if it's your first time praying it, we celebrate with the angels that you are now a part of God's family. Not because of each word that you, I didn't say, no, because of your heart posture, your heart that wants to submit to Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, please come up after service and meet with me. And if you are at home, please, in the chat, we have a, a contact card. Fill it out and say, hey, Today, I accepted Jesus. We want to celebrate with you and follow up with you. And if you accepted Christ or walk with God, please feel free to take communion today.